Hey everyone, Austin here. On today's episode, Ken and I sat down with friend and architectural designer Brian Samuel. For some time now, Brian has been interested in the often debated merits of hosting the World Cup. Through the aggregation of some publicly available data sets, Brian brings to us one simple question. Is hosting or winning the World Cup actually beneficial for a country? Oh, we got yo the fan got it. If you oh, straight up, did you just get murdered? It's just, it's just a stink bug. Oh, let yeah. me let me get rid of that real fast, actually. <laughs> it's gonna be great audio here. Yeah, <laughs> just squelching noise. Put it up to the bum, microphone. Bum, bum, bum. Oh, you saved it. Look at that, dude. You want to have a day where we just make background sound effects <laughs> like the entire day, like door opening and just like record it, and that, then like that door creaking sound manufactured. Yeah, it sounded not real. It did sound manufactured. Yeah, or just get like lighter, or, like click of a, <laughs> click of a mouse, or like we could go out and do soccer ball, like oh yeah, or do the crowd noises. Oh yeah, I was wondering what the um the new intro the intro music was gonna. I saw that you sent it one sample. You said you had a bunch of. Did you listen to the first one? I listened to the first one. Yeah, that was the only one we have fi- finalized right now. It's like a little more like acoustic stomp stomp. Mm-hmm. My cousin that goes to um Ohio State is like a uh industrial engineer slash like musician he's just making them from scratch for us oh that's cool that's fun so it's all free because the stuff we it's really hard to find music and audio that's like doesn't have some sort of license attached to it especially if we want to actually use it in like a public realm yeah so we, i was just like can you make this for us yeah it's also nice if it's completely unique and yeah made yeah, for yeah. This. so oh, I, he's making like a more techie hip-hoppy one kind of yeah what was that what was the direction you gave him i didn't give him any direction okay. at first I said, what's a podcast intro? And then he sent me that. And I said, try it. Maybe try this. Mm-hmm. So, Cool. We have people on our payroll. Yeah. You're one of them. Payroll. Yeah. <laughs> payroll in quotation marks. We want to talk about our Patreon distributions <laughs> once we go public. <laughs> you can sign on now for 5% if you donate $1,000. <laughs> Best investment you ever made. That's funny. Um, Brian, hey, I also, um, I pulled this up in case you want to yeah. re- like reference this as that well. That thing was heavy, man. There's a lot of data on there. Yeah. yeah. I looked at it initially, and then I looked at it like when you were actually done, and it was like, wow, that's a lot of data. Yeah. How, what, how did you, what, I guess we can just kind of roll into this, but how did you go about collecting this data? Like, what was your process? So there's a lot of, the first question that I was asking, which I think I probably want to ask you is like, kind of looking at. Why would anyone want to host the World Cup? Like we start, you keep hearing kind of negative outbursts. Like I feel like that's kind of uh, the main thing in the news. Like people always talk about the wonder of the World Cup, but it's becoming more and more to light the fact that you know all these stadiums are being left, people are being forced out of cities, Qatari workers, are di- migrant workers are dying, and then just the billions of money that people pour into it. Even just a campaign, like England didn't even win the campaign; they spent twenty plus million dollars, you know, just in the campaigning. So why why do people? want to host the World Cup to begin with. Um, and there are probably a lot of soft reasons, and I was wondering to see if they can, I could sort of hardline some right. harder facts to see maybe if there's an economic basis. Like people always t- churn out numbers, you know, the World Cup increases tourism, people mm-hmm. come to a country they hadn't before, maybe it's a, there's a cultural export, but I was wondering to see if there was like a knock-on effect with things like, you know, a growth in the GDP, or if employment started to stable, like started to increase as a result. Um, and I had a bunch of, I guess hypothesis, hypotheses, but yeah. um, I really, I guess, wanted to see what if how it would stack up if I actually did the did the crunch the numbers. And obviously, 
what I'm looking at, it's very difficult to um, tie any of these one things to the World Cup as a cause. Mm-hmm. So seeing this, like I'm just taking data out of years and try to comparing, like assuming, you know, 2004 was a World Cup, what happened before, what happened after, but that might be thousands of other things. Like the World Cup is a significant event without a doubt for a country, but there's still hundreds of other things that could have happened during the course of the year and outside uh, statistics. So I think having as many as possible was like something that I wanted to do, something that I wanted to go through, like look back through years, but then there also becomes the issue of collecting ac- accurate data. Um, a lot of a lot of statistics, like if you, you can see on there, I have the happiness statistic, which I thought would be mm-hmm. great to look at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a... Some more subjective statistics. More right? subjective thing, and it really only goes back to like 2010. So, I mean, it well, doesn't... Can, like happiness, people, happy, people started being happy in 2010. Yeah, yeah. Happiness is only... <laughs> the concept of happiness. <laughs> like, we only have eight years of happiness data. Um, it's, I don't know if that, that year is specific, but it's not nowhere near enough to make it, uh, to make it useful. Yeah. Like, actually, I think you can go to CFRI. There, there's countries that are no longer countries anymore. No. Yeah, but, exactly. I guess before we dive into that, I guess that brings up two points. I think it's a really good point saying... Like nothing is in a vacuum, obviously. All of this is happening in context, right? So clearly, yeah, the GDP in South Africa and the you know, that might have affected the World Cup more than the GDP in, in Germany, for example, based off I don't I don't know. Like we because of manufacturing or there could have been a natural disaster or something, like this is obviously just one factor. But I guess the argument that we made before is that this is one of the few world stage events that it potentially could be a factor at least economically and socially in the in all of these countries so it's worth looking at one of the right? the things that i was one of the things that i think is kind of striking by the by the results is that there isn't an immediate um unexplainable positive reaction you know there's nothing that like i like by looking at the numbers there isn't like a, a huge spike as a result you don't you don't see that um typically throughout, um, outside of the immediate year of when the World Cup was hosted. Um, so one of the m- more interesting kind of softest statistics that I pulled up was, uh, I guess, trendiness or popularity, looking at kind of um, uh, search engine tracking. So mm. the popularity of a search term being entered on Google or something like that, and maybe seeing there might be a correlation to it, its prevalence in the re- relative media and seeing if that, obviously there's a spike in the immediate year of the World Cup, and it doesn't seem to sustain itself. It's not like people after the World Cup in Brazil, people keep looking up Brazil after the World right. Cup or something like that. And in fact, the trends were so few and far between that it seemed like the World Cup is an enormous event mm-hmm. that I had expected it to have a outsized effect, especially especially because of the lengths that people are willing to go to get it. And that's, I think, more so than not really finding stuff. It was more the fact that I think that was the point, that there wasn't that immediate thing that you could point to saying like, you know, the World Cup does this and this and this. And then that's why we have to spend hundreds of billions, like um, right. tens of billions of dollars. Like in Qatar, the, the, the budget is eight to ten, eight to $10 billion dollars mm-hmm. for World Cup. They're building so many new stadiums. And it just, it just doesn't seem to, to match up with the statements that people make politically to say, like, we, you know, this is good for our country. This is why we should do it. Because it's, se- it's seen as a huge political win to be part of the regime that has the World Cup. Um, so it's, al- during the time. it's almost like if you buy something really nice, like say I were to buy uh, like a really nice TV, I would expect the results from that TV to be very, very to change my life in a good way and be very, very uh, worth buying. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it's like if I buy a really nice TV and then it just is the same as what I had before, or it breaks or it's not, it's the payoff isn't there basically, right? Yeah. Even though that 
my friends know I have a nice TV now, so maybe I have some win of like I'm hosting the World Cup, or like now I have a nice TV, you're like something like that. You yeah, know what I'm saying? There's, like, um, there's a quote I think from some Russian uh, high pol- political guy when he was um, when the World Cup was awarded, they were asking him, you know, what the economic effect would be. Is it a, a fish? Is it like a good for the country? A, a bonus, a boon for the country's economy? And he said, evaluating the um, let me try to pick the words like evaluating. Uh, the economic efficiency of the FIFA World Cup is like evaluating the economic efficiency of a wedding dress. Mm. You know, you'll pay more. It's like people will pay more just to get it right. And it's, really it's just something point. for a day. And it's just something which, like, I, I think when I came into it in our first conversation, I came into this with a kind of a heavy, heavy dose of skepticism mm-hmm. that maybe that there was something kind of going on that, you know, world powers are willing to, you know, have hundreds of people killed a day just to make the World Cup a reality to have it in their country because there was something underlyingly, something underlying that was important to countries that we were just kind of missing. But that seems to be a little softer view that maybe, maybe they just want to have a party for the world. You know, mm-hmm. that's, I don't know if that's true. It sounds like a nice idea, but I think there are, one thing that kind of struck me is the political aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that it's a, um, a good thing for, for countries to have, for a current regime to have that occur under the rule and I think one of the main reasons is that looking at spending that occurs that can't be directly attributed to the World Cup as in you know when you look at the cost and things like that people are looking at the cost of building stadiums and you know moving you know, undesirable things away from view but some things that aren't d- directly attributed but occur because no doubt of the World Cup is um, you know major infrastructure improvements you know cleaning up roads building bridges and building things that the country would have wanted anyway, but it's hard to espat- like say like we should spend this much more m- money. But if the FIFA World Cup and the world is coming, mm. you can get that. You know, you know, you can have that as a reason, and then all of a sudden the country is much more beautiful. Do you, do, do you think there might be um, local local changes? Like it, right right now, a lot of these data points are at this fifty thousand foot view at the at mm-hmm. the country. Um, in totality view, if you were to say zoom in to one of the towns or or the the um, the district immediately mm. adjacent, I wonder if you were, if you dove into the data locally around where where these kind of civic improvements are happening. Mm. I wonder if there is a more localized um, uh, in, like improvement for what what's happening because yeah. I like. If if I lived in a town and suddenly I had a new bridge and I had access, or if all the ro- roads were improved, like they're they're fixing up 14th Street in in um, Washington D.C. right now, and as soon as that's finished, I, like every like the first 15 minutes of my day are drastically going to improve just right. from a like a happiness standpoint because I'm no longer riding over a hundred bumps mm-hmm. anymore. And like, I don't know if that tangibly moves out into anything else. I don't know if I'm going to treat my clients any better. Um, like right. as well, a result of that, but, yeah. but, I, but I wonder if there's a, a more nuanced effect yeah. of some of these things. It's probably nuanced both ways too. You know, like there, the people that built that are doing the road employments or improvements could have been over exploited and not paid and even died doing it. Like that's what you're saying, right? Like even if there is a new stadium or road built, there could also be there's probably a negative and a positive in, in all these scenarios, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like the only data we have, I guess, is 
this national data, but I, it's a good point. And like, I'm sure there's a wide range of local and, of local good and and bad effects on this. I mean, one of the first um, when we were trying to figure out what where this conversation should go, one of the first few thoughts that I had that we kind of pushed aside was um, delving more specifically in the idea of stadium construction development to begin with, and using seeing it at, at stadiums and how they could be a, catal- a catalyst for development in neighborhoods. So I think that's um, that's kind of looked at that's not like a, a guarantee i feel like there are lots of examples where it's successful and lots of examples where it's not but there's no doubt that having a brand new stadium built in a city that maybe wasn't really prepared for something like that to begin with or wasn't suited to that level of influx of people on a you know weekly basis if it's being used for soccer or uh, soccer games um after that has to change what the city is and there's always the idea that you know bringing the people in um brings new retail, brings things, sometimes it pushes old retail out. Um, so I'm, I'm sure there, there are lots of in, uh, instances of positive and negative. I mean, the one thing that came up, I feel like focusing on the negatives is a lot more interesting, especially because there are some dire ones, you know. Mm. In South Africa, there was one that they were really, um, there was an area where they're building a new stadium on the specific sewerscaping, but they essentially asked um, a lot of the neighbor, the People lived sort of in slum-like conditions and ghettos. They relocated them to uh, a, for lack of a better word, I don't know, almost a refugee camp. They were they were moved. They were said they were displaced because the stadium had to be built, mm-hmm. and they were moved to essentially a refugee camp called I think Blickersdorf, something like that. And you know, they people complaining like you know they just they just moved us, and the idea was that they'd be able to come back in after. But they're talking about millions of people just being moved for this instance. Um, that's obviously the downside, but I'm sure there's a lot of positive economic eff- effects too. And I, I think that's what I was trying to find out because um, there's got to be so many different examples everywhere to see if something like as big as this can have a significant impact on the trajectory of a nation. Why, that's probably, that's a good segue. Why don't you run, run us through some of these data points? Just bro- broadly, like this, is, you know, you, we, so kind of explain, I guess, how you laid it out, this kind of scoreboard idea, right? Yeah, so I, um, the data itself was almost overwhelming looking at it. So I was trying to catalog uh, catalog different sort of, let's call them teams, um, and trying <laughs> to see uh, who benefited the most or in comparison who benefited more. Um, one thing that um, I was also curious about was whether outside of the effect, uh, the effect of hosting a World Cup, what is what happens if you win a World Cup? You know, is there something even bigger? Like, does that change change a country's fortunes? And I mean, that's a little less a little less predictable, maybe. I mean, there's so much more money that has to go into, um, you know, hosting it. But that's like you get it, you got it. And then, you know, I want to comparing that with what it takes to develop um, or fund soccer development to the point where you can have a World Cup winning team. Um, which one ends up being more profitable? And if there is a benefit in either to begin with, right? So I looked at. Um, I tried a couple ways of looking at how to read the data. And one thing that I wasn't, I was curious about was more of a, a longer term reading at the effects. Um, so for most of these countries, I've documented the four years prior to the World Cup and the four years after, and I've started to compare them. So this first page um, with the title of growth rate, I'm looking at the rate of growth averaged, the annual rate of growth averaged in the four years before the World Cup compared to the average rate of growth, uh, annual rate of growth in the four years after. Mm. So is this, is this is this all the hosts that you looked at? All of the hosts. So what years did you look at again? From what to what? 
Um, so I started my first World Cup was 1994 up okay. to 2014. Okay, got it. So the 1994 World Cup in uh, the U.S. I think, and up to the 2014 uh, World Cup, and so the growth rate. Looking at just the growth, the hosts saw no benefits. Um, some of the the numbers are small, and some of them are not. Um, so looking at the individual values, a lot of the times you see an increase, which I didn't think meant much in terms of the fact. It, just looking at historical trends, it's always going up almost. So I thought the rate of growth was more interesting or more unique or more more applicable way to, to evaluate the data. But also going through the data, um, if, you, if you scroll down, I looked at a difference a year makes, so basically the year before the World Cup and the year after, all the way to the bottom of the last page. Um, and you know it gives you a very different picture. Um, and for the hosts after, uh, you can see you know the year after, it seemed like they had a strong benefit from the World Cup compared to the year, uh, the year before the World Cup. However, the rate of growth, looking at that, is it paints a different picture. And what that kind of also led me to believe is that you can sort of, you can sort of manufacture these statistics in any way you want to make it look good, which kind of <laughs> gives gives more credence to the to this this political aspect of it. When people to play up the the positives of the World Cup, I do think that there, this is again a hypothesis that is somewhat spurred by the data, but. The fact that there is no immediate clear goal or gain, not not decisively at least, it seems to me that having having put this investment in it, the main idea is that you can get use it as an excuse to invest in other things and to bolster your own political opinion, which could be a good thing still. So kind of what you said with these first two diagrams, the uh, it's basically when the you get announced that you win the World Cup, the four years whatever the four years prior, right. you, you have a general boom in exactly. media traffic general economic development uh the resources that are funneled towards your country the google searches you get and generally you know the the popularity right like i remember in my life when in south africa hosted 2010 mm -hmm. i know that that year or those couple of years leading up to it i was south africa was more in my yep. i was talking about it with my friends more i i could i remember i remember the artwork from it i and i played soccer back then so i got a ball like, yeah i remember that that lead up but then you're basically saying, which is kind of the hypothesis, is that the four years after, everyone kind of just forgets about it, unless for the like maybe the one year after, or including that year, there's somewhat of an economic boom in tourism, obviously, because right. um, people are saying, "Oh, I just saw the you know, South yeah. Africa was really really great, and like hey, let's take it our next vacation there it. or something." Yeah. And then, and then, so the immediate popularity and economic boom is there, but that kind of long term. Uh, sustainable growth that's sold by the political side is not necessarily the case. Is that kind of what I'm reading? That's from that? that's that was my takeaway too. Especially looking at the, the that's interesting. It makes sense the, that the four, the four years preceding you see that huge boost in um, uh, in employment, which uh, I thought is fairly pronounced. Um, looking at it in um, in the in terms of the growth, you know, they're getting there's so much new construction and stuff like that that I didn't seem that it would be sustainable after. Um, but, uh, so, and there's also, you know, exactly like you said, the trend just, it seems like it's a buildup of it, you know? So I guess the question is like, is that worth it? And I know that's subjective, but like, is that, is that enough to have your, com is, to ha is, it, is the before enough to justify the after in some ways? Well, that, that help me understand, it, they, they see a growth before the actual event. Even if there isn't a growth, 
was that growth still sustained or do they lose that growth afterwards? It seems like the rate of growth slows down after the World Cup. But do they ever dip? Do they ever end up in a place pr- prior to when they even started? So let, let, let's let's. So you're talking about j- just value, not rate of growth. Exactly. So like, let's say that I have like five apples the and then if I hear I'm going to host the World Cup, so then I end up with 10 apples, do I just keep my 10 apples or do I go back to five apples? I see. Um, to more, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, apples to apples. If, um, <laughs> if you look at the, the metric success, you might be able to, to piece actual general values. Most of, the, most of what I saw was that it seems that things just in general seem to go up. Most, most of the values tend to increase, especially when it comes to GDP, just in terms of everything's a... Well, that's like inflation, and that's how the world is going, right? I mean, that's right. Some of that has to be chalked up to that, isn't it? Right. I mean, that's that. That was my. That's why. That's why I looked at growth more specifically. Um, I'm not. Right. So maybe looking at oh, gen- like two percent a year, three percent a year, four percent a year, that kind of thing. That's right? that's kind of where what I was picking right. up. Okay. But it might be useful, especially if you do see a picture of it going down. That might be a unique step, but be- because it didn't I, seem like that was a trend. I would almost. I would almost, from the perspective of that, there's a growth leading up to it. I could almost see it as a positive, like to- like a total outcome, um, a positive outcome in totality if at least growth is happening at one point. Maybe we don't see growth afterwards, but the mean. actual excitement of it, yeah. because it's generating growth, it, maybe it's this like intangible thing where um, if we're studying for a, a test, like we only gain knowledge all the way up to the test and once you pass the test there's no reason for you to keep studying mm-hmm. for that topic and so it's like the act of something in the distance causing you to be a better person right. or a better country so you're saying that because of it happening you have even when you leave you have more knowledge than you had the years the before you ever knew there was a test exactly even if it isn't the same rate of increase like exactly so if the the world cup can act as a a boost in, yeah. to the growth of a country that though that boost isn't sustainable in the 40s before it may have elevated them and planned that they wouldn't have got to without yeah it's like it's like a a goal-driven growth right and but then not a a results-driven growth after the event's over i mean that that's and that's for that you've got to look a little bit further back i think um start trying to that that would be an interesting characteristic but another to switch and switch the topic a little um in the build of this you'd sent a pretty interesting ted talk which i thought was another uh, useful thing to to talk about, especially seeing the debating the relative um, hard positive benefits of, of the World Cup, just trying to define maybe, you know, what is growth, um, what is what is good for a country, what is better for a country, how does a country achieve a level of, of success, and that's when you know when I was talking about maybe you know the wedding dress idea is that you know maybe it's just nice to have a party or nice to have an event like this, like how much how much of it is just 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 nice you know like how much of it uh, improves like people's lives like you know gdp can correlates a lot with some things that we traditionally talk about as measures of success but i mean there's all there's that dropping point that, that from the the ted lecture that you had sent mm-hmm. the dropping point where gdp doesn't immediately correlate with the same exact um rate of growth in terms of you know the social well-being and health and things like that we've seen that more recently than than otherwise so just kind of wondering if it's worth all of this to be the ones hosting the party. So so 
let's so that's just hosts, right? And you also compared winners. And right. it seems so what so what are the what are the if you had to summarize the one to one comparison between host and winners, like it seems like we're we're kind of deciding on a slight net positive for host, even though it's not I mean, even though it's not as positive as people would think it is. Right. Yeah. If you if you go down, um something I thought was interesting, the next page. Um looking at this, those two right there. Mm. Um, looking at the host country, this is the growth difference. So before I was comparing the rate of growth um, before and after the World Cup, this is what I'm comparing the change in the rate of growth due to the World Cup between two different parties. So like, um, mm. who had the most positive effect in the rate of growth before and after the World Cup? So looking at these stats, it seems I looked at the host country and the winning country and landslide, 4 nil. <laughs> Yeah, um, The numbers aren't, the other thing is... 4-0 and what? Can you say that? Cause, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, I guess no one's looking, <laughs> not be looking at So I was just, I only was looking at, I guess, four different metrics of success. For every country, I was looking at um, the economy, looking at the the GDP per capita um, from year to year. I was looking at an increase in tourism, specifically for international arrivals, an increase in the percentage of the workforce employed, and um, their search value interest. Um, so it seemed like the uh, if winning winning a World Cup versus hosting a World Cup had a more significant um, impact on the growth in all four of these areas. The same trend continued when looking at the continents. So I, I decided I, I thought it was mm. interesting to look at the continents as well. One thing that um, one article I was reading kind of was kind of tracking Brazil's increase in tourism. They they had seen a fairly significant increase in tourism, especially in the year of the World Cup. Um, and people were looking, uh, these uh, researchers were looking to see if a World, a World Cup is a a good way to increase tourism, if only for the year, you know, if that's a guaranteed measure, you know, you have the World Cup, tourism goes up. Mm-hmm. And though they were looking at the fact, you know, South, Af- South Africa went up a little bit, definitely, um, but very, very minimally. And Brazil had, a you know, by far a huge amount. What they tempered that, um, that common was, was that, a huge majority of the the tourists came from Argentina, and they started coming in the latter stage of the competition after Argentina kept progressing through. Mm-hmm. So they seem to um, find a lot of benefit because one of the regional, uh, the proximity of the countries, and the fact that the country was doing well, and that it was easy for them to travel and come see the team, and maybe they wouldn't have come at all if they, if they hadn't. So I was also wondering, how much does it just benefit the continent in general? You know, mm-hmm. like for me, Let's say I hadn't been to a new continent or I hadn't been to a country and I visited Brazil. Um, I like when I travel. I really enjoy going to new places if I can. You know, if I'm paying for a, a new plane ticket, yeah. let's go to a different country. Um, and if it's the first time on the continent, maybe there's some, maybe that'll spark my interest to go somewhere else on the continent. Like uh, we talked about in the first conversation, the example of Croatia. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. even though they didn't win, I would imagine, and I can, I mean, I, even if it's a very, very small percentage of me would think that if I were to go to that region, I would I would go to Croatia instead of another country around it, right? Because I just want to see the hype, the post World Cup hype, or get a you know just it's just the it's in the front of your mind now, mm-hmm. and that's almost that's especially that's looking at people that are aren't living there. So it's like it seems like another theme that's developing is the the visitors and the and the 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 people who actually live in the country, right? right. So it seems like generally um, a lot of this. A lot of the economy, tourism, and the economy and the to- tourism, and I guess also the economy and the popularity are driven by outside factors. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, 
uh, employment is something that's more of like an in, inside factor. Yeah. So that could almost be like another layer of how this is like, how this is affecting certain people, right? Um, well, you, like you talked about the example of 14th Street earlier. I'd imagine like when you were saying that, you were like, it's interesting. I was thinking the same thing because I bike to work too. It's like when we go through there, we're like, we're visitors and we're like, we're just dealing with the, uh, the fact that the road is being improved that we're like coming through, but the person that is hearing the construction noise all day mm-hmm. is like not benefiting from that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was just, I was just, mm-hmm. uh, the other point I was trying to bring up, uh, thinking about bringing up was, would you like having the world cup in your city? Like if it was right next to you, the well, stadium in DC, how do you feel? Just got pulled up. I think I would like it because I have, I have certain privileges basically. Like, I mean, if there's world cup in DC, I would view myself as like, someone that would probably go or like experience the fun of it all mm-hmm. and like be a part of it. Um, it would be a little different if I was, um, you know, scrapping for minimum wage and may, might want to, you know, be, in, be involved and my employment was affected by it and that kind of stuff. Right. So like, you know what I'm saying? Especially like in the United States versus other countries as well. Like mm-hmm. I would probably view it as a positive just because it's a fun thing. Yeah. And that's kind of like kind of what I'm getting at with this. Who's, who's benefiting and who's not, I, you know, yeah, and I, I would almost have a, a a rolling a rolling interest in it. In that, I would be very excited the v- first year that it's announced because the yeah. event, the event would be coming to my city, and I'd be able to take part of it. Then I would probably be very annoyed by all the preparation for mm-hmm. the next three years, and then six months prior, I'd probably start getting very excited again mm-hmm. and prepping everything to like going. Um, to it. Well, right. it's already happening, it's right? Happening. Like the World the Cup is year. is going to be hosted in the U.S. in what twenty twenty six. And I like I already have texting some of my friends from home. We're like, okay, we're we're definitely going to be there, yeah. right? And I'm like, okay, we got to go. We're not going to not go to the World Cup, you know. But it's like I don't know how that affects boots on the ground, but I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Right. Which which city is it in? Uh, All every city. Well, that's they're kinda, probably here. They're kind of deciding. Okay, um, there's like twelve list. cities. Yeah. I mean, going along with this conversation, um, people are cities are. Uh, putting the name forwards for consideration. There's a few little criteria that FIFA has. Chicago, Rob Emanuel has specifically um, removed Chicago from consideration, mainly because um, that's that's the mayor of Chicago. Yeah. Okay, mainly because um, he he found FIFA's demands to be unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and one th- one thing that um, a lot of people are curious about FIFA with FIFA is that they have this stipulation that all of their sponsors. Um, have to be exempt from tax, which is wow. very strange. Um, and they tend to have um, a priority at locations around the the World Cup stadiums. And a lot of people, have, you know, a lot of people who have like little kiosks and stuff are very upset about. So the that. city doesn't make money off it. The city doesn't make money off of these large large. Is, and is that for the four years leading up, or is that just the six months surrounding the event, or when when do does uh, that kind of tax, tax break? exemption? I'm not sure. Okay. But like DC and Baltimore are both on the short list for the twelve cities, basically. Yep. Yeah. But, but what you're saying is there's essentially kind of privileged tax breaks that yep. could negatively affect yeah, like um, local, local business businesses. owners. Yeah. Yeah. Who would, who, that's, a, that, and that's an interesting point. Which is the political, you know, you say like we're gonna have the World Cup, it's gonna be in our backyard, you know, there's gonna be so much more business, but some of them are forced out, and then a lot of them go to you know these FIFA sponsors, which is, it, it, it just I keep coming back to this idea of. How how is this thing affecting people locally, and how is that data not trickling up to mm-hmm. the larger data that you've been collecting for the years afterwards, and and how how 
like does that stuff is that is that data not collected or does it does it not trickle well, trickle up? I, I, like it's, these are very rhetorical questions. I don't expect you to have kind of the answer for them. But like, does the does the guy who owns the hot dog stand, like, is his his or the 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 mom and pop like restaurant downtown? Does that data just never go anywhere? Well, I think there are very varying degrees of success and failure as a result of them. Because, well, one thing that people look at when people debate the economic uh, benefit of a World Cup is that they look at the fact that business tends to get concentrated. So you'll see a huge burst in fields such as hospitality and retail that might be coming out of sales from other places, and it becomes very concentrated in these hotspots of where these events are taking place. So mm. when you aggregate that to the entirety of a country, you might not be even be seeing that much of a widespread increase. In fact, you know, hotels, for example, there'll be a lot more tourists coming in, maybe, which isn't always the case. But if there are a lot more tourists, they might only be going, there'll be a lot more tourists coming for the specific reason of a World Cup, which will discourage people going to these cities for other reasons if they just wanted to travel, you know? Mm-hmm. That's such a good point. Yeah. Like, so this is almost like a Delta, like, offset. Yeah, Maybe. because, like, everyone in the country still has the same salary and the same disposable income, unless there's a lot more employment and more people get jobs so they can pay for more. But, like, there's still, the people that are living there or coming there still are having the same money they would have spent on something else. Mm-hmm. And you, you might take your whole you know, what you've been saving up for a long time if you're a really, really big Brazil fan to, like, go to Brazil and spend that money. Mm-hmm. But, like, you probably would have spent it on something else anyway. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Any, like, anytime there's a parade or an event downtown, I don't eat downtown. Yep. Because it's <laughs> right. just be a Plus, hassle. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the, so somebody comes in, and they pay for what they want, and I'm pushed out, right. and I don't I don't pay in for anything that day. So there's mm-hmm. it's a really, like, interesting idea of... What is the delta of things coming in versus opportunities that normally come in that then are pushed out? Which is why I don't think you see the long-term growth that you might expect from something that is this much of a spark. Yeah, it's interesting. I, now that you're talking, the wedding dress analogy is really good. Mm-hmm. And like people do spend an irrational amount of money on weddings, yep. for example. But like it's something that you talk about for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like the World Cup. You know, the guy that the one guy that's there and he spent all of his savings for three years to go there and it, it hurt him in the long term. Like he can years later, he can tell his grandkids, like I went to the world cup in Brazil. Yeah. Like no one can ever take that away from me. Of course. Or like I was a vendor at the world cup, mm-hmm. even though that year I like actually made less money. Yeah. The, the story, it's almost like the story and is what it's, it's for. And you don't you know? see that yeah. flood of the, the personalities of people who come supporting a country. It's not like, you know, when you travel abroad, for example, I see like two people, two kinds of people. I see Australians everywhere. I see it, maybe a lot of English people, and then I see yeah. smatterings of people from maybe from Europe, a lot of people from different neighboring countries, and maybe like Germans, Italians who were like on study abroad and stuff. But you kind of see a lot of similar kinds of people. With the World Cup, you kind of get an influx of people everywhere, and mm. it just it becomes a different environment to, to traveling in a general sense. So that's that's an experience of its own. Mm-hmm. It's like the draw, the true draw of like fandom, mm-hmm. kind of back we were talking before. Like it's one of the few things that someone would be willing to, to really, really take a risk and go somewhere to do, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of go to university and go to college to have a more eclectic group of people to interact with. And in a way, the World Cup acts as a temporary university that mm-hmm. brings in an eclectic group of people that each of these countries have the opportunity now to interact with. I think that's why... Um, we s- still hold and value these sort of mega events 
these events mm -hmm. that kind of tie nations or all around the world together is that there's no real better way. Some places aren't melting pots. You know, we're lucky to live in the U.S. I mean, if you go to India and you're a white person, I'll see you from, you know, 500 yards away, you know, mm -hmm. and everyone will be looking at you. Like, it's there are a lot of places that you don't really get this, and to have an event like this might be the first time for hundreds of people, especially people who are living there, who, you know, they didn't have to travel and pay their plane ticket to get there, and they're just starting to see this whole world, in, like, unfold in front of them and them celebrating this. And that's, I think, why people find a special magic in the World Cup, um, especially when you, it's combined with, you know, people trying to be good custodians or good representatives of their country. Um, you see that a little you, We talked about the, the Japan, Senegal stories, and there's obviously the, the negatives, like Russian hooligans beating people up. But there's always, there's always something about when you see or have really an interesting interaction with someone you never, like I didn't think I was going to talk to anyone from Bulgaria today, you know. <laughs> I wake up every morning saying that. <laughs> yeah. Did not think I was going to wake up talking to some Bulgarian today. It's well, I, I really, I really like this quote that you you wrote down in kind of our um, reference documents. You wrote down uh, amongst all important <laughs> subjects, unimportant amongst all. I know the microphone was in the way. <laughs> amongst all unimportant subjects, football is by far the most important. Right. From uh, from the Pope, from, from the, the Pope, from the Pope himself. Yeah, from what was it, Pope John Paul II? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a great Pope. But it, like, like whether or not there is sure. this <laughs> economic <laughs> gain or economic loss, right. There's this idea that this is common ground. Mm -hmm. Like I know um, over the summer when I was traveling um, to Japan, I was looking up things to do. And one of the things that is kind of the suggested thing to do is go to a Japanese baseball game. Mm -hmm. And so I find out that like the two major teams are the Giants and the Sparrows. And um, everybody loves yeah. the Sparrows and everybody hates the Giants. Of course. And like I, I found this is the one fact that I knew about these two baseball teams. But so my friends and I were were out at the bar one night, and baseball comes up, and I go, "Oh yeah, like f the giant!" And <laughs> everybody got so excited, like that this American like yeah, knew really cool. yeah. what the kind of the cultural norm was. Baseball is huge in Japan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And but but it's 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 such a a springboard to a common ground yeah. no matter where you go. And so I'm like I completely agree with this this concept of the importance of it traveling around to bring people together. So uh, I want to I want to oh, I want to do another thought but finish this one first you I'll say I think and that's the power and danger of FIFA is that Ooh, I'm gonna say, that's <laughs> the sound bite we're using. Um the power and danger. it's that Every time you bring up something negative, you start looking at things in a hard fact. Like, you know, it costs this much money. It costs, you know, people have died. And you're looking at things sort of in numbers and facts. And then you talk to someone about how they feel and think about the World Cup. And you can't, there's something entirely special and spectacular about it. And when I feel like when you're fighting numbers with that raw emotion of, any, of visiting, viewing, or interacting with the World Cup, it's hard to, it's hard to just... There's one side of the scale that just weighs so much heavier, right. which is why people overlook, you know, when the World Cup happens, you overlook everything. Are you surprising yourself with now that you think that? I mean, because you can't, it seems like you have a different tone from before. Mm, uh, I think there are so many dark things, but I can't, I'm much happier that the World Cup is in the world than it's not. That's a good soundbite. Yeah. So that was, that leads into the question I was going to ask is, I want to circle back on this idea of the rise of skepticism or the positivity or the negativity of hosting the world cup. Mm -hmm. And it seems like to me, um, 
in the kind of age of globalization and the internet and mass communication, which happened in the early nineties, kind of when you started like, what's this, this is your data you're, you're using mm-hmm. from the early nineties on that kind of coincides, I think, and I'm just making a rationalization here. Um, with that age of skepticism because people were just generally more informed. Mm-hmm. So like I would think that my, in my parents' generation, uh, the Olympics, for example, was viewed probably as a uh, net positive by like a million miles. Yeah. When the U.S. hosted the Olympics and everything, right. like people were like, it's it's probably viewed, it was viewed, I think, as this, this like triumphant, positive world event. And, and now I feel like there's kids that, or even people our age that are just like, they don't now we're just like, yeah, that's terrible. Why would you ever hope to host an Olympics? And like, and, and that's kind of like the general, that's kind of the general mm-hmm. thought, like the baseline thought. Right. So it's, I'm, I'm not saying it is, but you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like the more people became informed about large scale corruption or political implications or economic downfall, by just by the simple fact that now we're not more globally connected, that seems like the sentiment of the world cup or the Olympics being negative is now kind of a, a new thought in the last few well, decades. It's, it's because before you relied on much more heavily on your own personal experiences. Right. And those were almost overwhelmingly positive for an event like the Olympics or the World Cup. Right. And whenever all these numbers and stuff come to light, you know, it makes it makes you feel a little dirty for still liking it. But I think it's still when it's still so powerful that you overlook everything. And that's kind of I mean that's I mean that's an over you know overarching theme for a lot of things that we're starting to figure out. Oh, absolutely! Like culturally, right yeah. now, um, all of our comedians yeah. are under this new form of of scrutiny right now. Because uh, like the the singers, actors, artists, and and comedians of our world twenty years ago didn't have Wikipedia pages, mm-hmm. and so you just knew their identity through word of mouth and your personal experience going to see them. But now anybody of any type of public persona can have their entire history looked up and a lot of their personal actions documented. Yeah, with phones, with cell phones. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, has a camera and a video now, you know, a camera. So so we've we've gotten to the point where um, whole lives are, are being documented and whole histories of institutions are being documented to where we can run um, uh, run a kind of a critical eye over over everything now. Mm. And like in in one way, it it um, kind of taints the things that we love. In another way, it, it it holds things to a higher standard. Yeah. Of of decency, uh, but it's like a, it's a new emerging way that we're all learning to to look and assess things. Yeah. Because we have all this data now. People like I feel like it was much easier to evaluate things through a lens of hedonism. Is this mm-hmm. does this do I enjoy this feeling? Is this nice? And now there's almost a virtuism that kind of takes precedence over it. You know, the idea is, is this good for not just you, but the world? Like, is it okay? Is it okay for me to enjoy this? Is it hurting other people? And to a degree, that makes sense in terms of how you evolve the society. But then you wonder, I mean, it can't, it doesn't feel like it's a net positive all the time. I mean, this this is kind of a far reaching uh, reference, but in Sun Tzu's The Art of War, it talks about establishing a sense of purpose and virtuism amongst the population in totality. But the kings of the nation need to be able to have backdoor dealings in order to accomplish the goals hidden in secret. And it's this whole idea that you inspire a sense of virtue, like as a overarching principle, 
But then behind the closed doors, sometimes you have to do evil things to just keep keep the country going. And and I mean, FIFA, like all things, are are a business. <laughs> I was wondering what was coming back. Yeah. And and there's this overarching net positive enjoyment and love uh, for for like soccer in and of itself. But then you have the people who are also making it a thing. We just now have the ability to kind of, we now have a window into the room of our kings and queens to see what they're doing in, in these yeah. back rooms now. Right. So maybe you're saying that it's not going, you're not going to be able to have that overall positive as much. They'll have to be, everything has to be individually positive, which might reduce a net positive. I, the, there, it's just, there's now a new way that we assess how positive things come to be. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, it's interesting because it's hard to, like, we're looking at hard facts versus soft facts, right? And yeah. most of the facts that we're looking at are these uh, really kind of hardline mm-hmm. economic tourism, employment, popularity. Numbers. But the, the happiness con- index, that is one where it's trying to, like, bring these two things together. And I'm wondering, like, what other statistics are like that or what what is what even is the happiness index like who who decides that and what goes into that because that could be a whole yeah. conversation in and of itself and like it seems like finding a statistic like that might be some middle ground that you know that could help us right so the happiness index is actually from what i was looking at is actually the question was not how happy are you it's sort of, <laughs> oh it wasn't it's, <laughs> it was more of a i'm trying to think of the exact wording it was had more had to do with satisfaction or how satisfied? How are satisfied you? are you? With not that? happy. Not happy. There was um. They actually did. A, there's a plot which is, I thought was funny. They had a plot comparing the relationship of how people respond to the question "How satisfied are you in life?" to "How happy are you?" Uh, They're pretty closely correlated. <laughs> but um, I always wonder what. I mean, that happiness has got to be. This is even further. Like, your happy is not someone else's level of happiness. So, for example, your seven might not be someone else's seven. But I think that kind of goes mm. with the idea of the statistic is that it can only be a relative measurement. And it's kind of taking all of these other things out. You know, like we've been looking at, like, what is the, what's the, the best thing in country? What's the best way to evaluate the success of a country? It's like, okay, you know, it should, you know, you should be making a lot of money and you should be able to produce a lot of things, maybe. You and know, people visit there and people search for you on Google. Yeah, people, yeah. people visit you, people search for you on Google, people yeah. live 100,000 years old, you know. <laughs> it's it's just the way the country is. The health, But, I mean, people, I feel like a lot of people come to the conclusion that the most important thing of life is happiness, maybe, mm. or good, maybe, doing good. So there's always social virtues and things like that. And looking at happiness, it's hard to say it feels like that, seems to be the end all comparison you know like it doesn't none of the other things really seem to matter that much you know like maybe you live longer maybe you work harder or something but i mean compared to everything that you know about the world how happy are you and how and like you think that people could be this happy you think that you could be this happy on that scale how happy are you it feels like a very deep and philosophical question that i don't think people really give yeah, the proper like that's the other thing I don't think. I mean, you're asking people to self-survey themselves. It almost seems like kind of superficial to be like, we insert the World Cup in your country. Like you're you're definitely happier now, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, get, are you happier? Yeah, good. Like, yeah, good. The interview, yeah, your team just won. They put the mic on you. It's like this year they were happy. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, because it's also a point in time. 
Yeah. I mean, if someone asked you that question, what would you what would you say? How happy are you? Wait till USA wins the World Cup. <laughs> I'll, ask, I'll ask you now and I'll ask you then. We'll <laughs> yeah. see the difference. What are you Googling over here, Austin? I was, I was looking up who the happiest countries are. And I mean, I think Finland keeps winning. Mm-hmm. And All on the Scandinavians? Out of, uh, yeah, the, sk- the Scandinavians, Scandinavians there, right? are literally the first five. Finland, Norway, Denmark, Who's Iceland. making these studies, the Scandinavians? Yeah, I know. I was going to say. Published by, <laughs> published by Finland. Who's yeah. the happiest country? Finland. Yeah, I, 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 I wasn't able to pull up like how these are coming about. But there is, I don't know, there is something... Like, I, uh, I'm not sure if the United States is, I'm only looking at the top eight. I don't know if they're on the top 10 or where, where they fall in this, but mm-hmm. I think a large portion, and this is very anecdotal, but I think a large portion of my identity with American happiness is the fact that we are a very bootstraps oriented country. The, like the concept of like, no matter where you fall on the ladder, supposedly you should be able to kind of work your way up if you work hard enough. Mm-hmm. And so I get a lot of kind of um, patriotic pride and and kind of um, like self-motivated happiness out of the fact that struggle exists so that when I achieve the struggle, it contributes to how I view my happiness. Mm-hmm. Like happiness in our country is viewed through the struggles that we take on. And so this like metric of what, like who's the happiness? Like how are we actually defining happiness relative to kind of the larger identities of these countries countries values kind of yeah in a lot of way yeah yeah yeah. because well i think that's why the simplicity of the question speaks for itself you know the fact that you're not defining outside things it's just how happy are you yeah and it's like 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 spain or for example some of the mediterranean countries like they like their cultural virtual their their virtues may have a little more to do with like relax relaxation, especially in the summertime, like the siesta. Like we don't we don't take siestas at work. We're like Italy, like you know, a lot of countries still have this idea where they might value family and rest or something like that over our like struggle and the work way of Americans. So like each country kind of has a, it's a, and that's a huge generalization. Yep. But like there's a there's a <laughs> there's a certain general identity that you when you're in a country you abide by, you know. So yeah, and I also wonder how much of it is tied to now versus the future because i think one of the ha- things that makes me happy is that i see like brighter days in the future you know like i know that things get better but i don't know how much that speaks to my present day happiness and maybe that speaks a lot to it you know the well, idea there is hope this kind of it's 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 this kind of gets back to the very first topic that we were talking about about where these countries are seeing growth Mm-hmm. Are they seeing growth before the event or after the event? And this idea of potentially the anticipation of the event causes growth to occur beforehand. So this idea that as we kind of traverse our lives, what you're talking about, like brighter future days, the anticipation of getting somewhere causes the growth. Mm-hmm. That it's that that maybe what the World Cup is doing, and this is like speculative, but maybe what the World cup does is it is it draws a line in the sand to start establishing expectations that could generate a net positive mm-hmm. and maybe we don't see it afterwards we still reach that line in the sand because yep. it was drawn yeah like a like a just a big distraction or goal or goal goal is probably a better word for the country to get to you know yeah yeah right. it puts something there was there was like going through this data was there 
any kind of data point that you wanted to collect that there just was no data for? Well, happiness was a big one for sure. I didn't. I, there was. I got some data, but not enough to make it to make it a useful comparison. Um, that was a big one. Um, I, was, I was trying to think about that question, like what else, you know, what else defines success in a country? Well, I guess we can phrase it this way. We're kind of we're approaching like an hour mark. So I mean, the idea. So this is kind of like what open-ended thoughts did, did you have maybe not what other what other um what other kind of you know data points you wanted but like is there still a question that's like spinning around in your mind or do you feel like you kind of tied a knot on this guy i don't i going through all the data i get the sense that i'm not going to find a specific trend i i just i i keep seeing like even though they're like i've been at for all these numbers and stuff i've been aggregating and averaging things and there are so many outliers. My my data set only goes back to 1994. Mm-hmm. You know, that's six World Cups from 2014 to 1994. And I get, I just, um, I, I feel like, I feel like the su- success or the reason why people hold the World Cup is outside of commonly defined. There's no, there you can have an expectation for these reasons, but there are other reasons to host a World Cup. And I think, and I think it's enough for people to forget about any of the other uncertainties that come along with it. Yeah. I mean, like what you just described is like how we talk about love. Like <laughs> love is not something that you define. Ooh, deep, deep. Like, love love deep is not cut. something you devi- like define life, by like data points. It's like something intangible that we're chasing. And I think what you're describing is you've kind of pulled back. You like you've you've dove into all these different ways that kind of tangibly explain where growth is occurring, if growth is occurring. Yeah. And I think what I'm hearing is you're saying outside of these data points, they're ex- like that you're, that you're sensing that there is a purpose because we are doing it. It's just potentially living out of something we currently quantify. Yeah. I mean, I, I was putting those numbers together. I kept feeling like, like this nerd trying to find what reason why soccer is not good for the world, you know? <laughs> and I was like, I just felt like, you know, when politicians complain about the World Cup and like, or people just complain about, I don't want this, you know, it's not good for people. <laughs> I just started, I felt like myself becoming that person. And then I just started thinking, like, what if like these people win and there's no World Cup? <laughs> and I feel like the world would be a much darker place. <laughs> I would love. That's a positive way to end up on this, I think. Yeah. I think like you found a, like, you may not have proved your your skepticism hypothesis to be truly correct, but yeah. you 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 wound up on a point that said, well, you know what, the World Cup has its flaws, but you know people love it, and that that's worth it more than the whatever economic downfalls might actually be true. Yeah, but you, that's it, not like the most hardline answer. But that's like no, kind of where it came. But to. then, is it worth forgiving? The this I mean goes back to the hedonism versus virtuosity. Is it worth forgiving transgressions right. for us to have that little bit of joy in our lives? Yeah. Yeah. Something to think about at home. Maybe that'll be part two. <laughs> Maybe. I, I think this is, a, this is kind of a good place to kind yeah. of wrap everything up. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I think it's good. I we I was really impressed with the, uh, the, the time and research you put into this. I think it's just exciting to see kind of an idea get pushed to some, some end, even though we're never going to have the full end. I mean, you could pay... Rhodes scholars and universities years to do this this research we yeah. we did a couple a little bit of research for a couple of weeks to yeah. to have this conversation so inevitably we could always continue this but I I think 
the uh, the the assertions that you arrived at were 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 great. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely resulted in some great conversation. Yeah, let's pat ourselves in the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Let's get a uh, back patting sound effect. <laughs> no, I mean, not not the like I, like I'm quantifying no, I it. I'm saying I enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Brian. Thanks audio. for uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah. Till nice. next time. Cool. Hey everyone, Ken and I just wanted to thank you again for listening to the episode. The Table Sessions podcast is produced and edited by me, Austin Raymond, and Ken Filler, and is a product of The Table Sessions Media, the collaborative platform for audio, visual, and written content. Our theme music was created by Dan Filler. You can find more from Dan on bandcamp.com, such as his album, As the Soil Turns Red. If you like what you heard, you can visit our website, thetablesessions.com, to check out our full range of content. You can also follow us on Instagram at Table Sessions, where we post photos and content from each episode. Also, if you'd like to support our cause in more tangible ways, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash thetablesessions for exclusive updates and more. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next episode.